It's the Grim Tidings Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Matheny. And I'm Philip Overby. And Philip, we are back. It's a new year. We've got a new episode for everybody. Uh, plenty to discuss today. We'll be talking about the uh, top five Grimdark novels of 2015 as voted by the members of Grimdark Fiction, readers and writers. Uh, we'll be talking about the uh, fan of the week. Um, and we'll be opening the Grim Tidings mailbag today. We'll be answering your questions that you submitted uh, to us, revealing the inner workings of all that is the Grim Tidings podcast. Speaking of inner workings, you'll notice the upgraded quality of our audio spectrum today. Yes, Philip and I did upgrade our audio equipment. We've got some new microphones, some new uh, recording equipment, so we're sounding uh, pretty badass lately. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, I sound, my voice sounds rich and smooth, <laughs> like a silken piece of chocolate. Silky chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> when I think of you, I think of silky chocolate. So anyway, new stuff, new equipment. Um, I'm excited. We've got uh, plenty of uh, great guests coming on the show this year, so it's going to be important that we have uh, great sounds. So, you know, at least the show sounds good content-wise, remains to be seen, but uh, we're hopeful that uh, it's going to be a good year. Now, speaking of um, new things coming out, uh, Star Wars did debut um, over the... uh, Holiday season, uh, Star Wars The Force Awakens uh, opened up to like five gajillion dollars. And um, it was a very good movie. I enjoyed it. I saw it opening day, 3D experience. I was kind of the first in line. Um, I'm, a, I'm a pretty hardcore fan when it comes to Star Wars. So I was excited to see it. Um, I, I enjoyed the, f- the the movie. So we might uh, hit on spoilers here in our brief discussion. But uh, spoiler alert. Um, but that's, that's one thing I wanted to talk about with you, Phil, is that uh, spoilers were kind of uh, a, a big discussion uh, leading up to the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. A lot of people saying, if you show me spoilers, I will kill you. Literally. And um, so people were, were very guarded. And for the most part, I didn't see any spoilers. People were were cool. Did you see any spoilers uh, in lieu of uh, seeing the movie? Before I saw it, I didn't see any spoilers. But uh, the actually, the, the night I came home, somebody had posted spoilers and comments. And that's, that's the big risk. It's not someone posting a spoiler on their social media. It's the people commenting on their posts. So uh, I think someone uh, posted a spoiler that they thought was fake, but it it wasn't fake. So I think they thought they were making a joke, but it was actually a real spoiler. So if I would have saw that, I would have been fucking pissed if I saw if I if I'd seen it before I saw the movie. I do think there there is a lot of focus on this kind of thing. And it's really hard to avoid. Like even if you Google someone's name, spoilers will pop up. Uh, so it's almost you have to black out your entire social media to avoid having anything spoiled. But at the same time, there's no official window. Like nobody knows when it's okay to start talking about it. People are a lot. Yeah, uh, several groups I've seen. They say, "Is it is it okay to talk about Star Wars now?" And some people are like, no, I'm not seeing it until Halloween 2016. <laughs> it's like, fucking get on it, man. So, yeah, I mean, I understand spoilers suck, but with a big movie like Star Wars, people want to talk about it. So, so much crazy shit happened. So people definitely want to get into that and discuss it. They don't want to sit there and keep it bottled in and social media is a big way people communicate with each other now it's not it's not as it's not like all your friends are always around you all the time so it's it's a big a big uh, water cooler discussion point that people can't talk about it seems like there needs to be a consensus on 
what the actual time span should be when it comes to talking about subject matter without having to post the, the spoiler alert warning on said topics. Um, it seems like for certain TV shows, it seems the next day people are okay with talking about major spoilers. No problem. It's There's this kind of expectation of, well, if you have the, the network, it, it's been released, it's been aired, you should know by now. And if not, watch out because we'll be talking about it on social media. Whereas for Star Wars, people are much more guarded and the discussions have been more at a fever pitch. And I think it's just because of the magnitude of the movie. So, I mean, does it depend on what the medium is in in how long we can discuss these things? Is it a day? Is it a week? Is it a month? And who gets to make that decision, you think? For Star Wars, I think because it was such a huge movie and it was so secretive, people didn't know a lot of stuff about it. And I think that's why the spoiler issue was such a big deal with Star Wars, but, uh, different than other movies. Because other movies, there's wealth of information out there that you can get. But for Star Wars, there was just speculation. That's that's all there was. For me, a month is pretty long for a movie. I mean, <laughs> that's a long-ass time for a Star <laughs> Wars movie to, to wait to talk about it. With a TV show, I, I do think it depends on the medium. But it also depends on what the show is. Uh, for example, if I watched the latest Game of Thrones episode and then i'm on social media in the next couple hours talking about it that's probably a faux pas in a way if it's the next day then i think it's fair game because everybody's seen it I, i think it depends on the magnitude of what what the thing is what the show is or what the movie is um, if I go see Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants, <laughs> then I don't great think, movie. I don't think anybody fucking cares if I spoil <laughs> it. <laughs> Maybe some people do. It's actually that that is actually one of my favorite movies. No, no joke. Something like that has been so heavily anticipated for years and years and years and years, and then somebody spoils it for you. Uh, it sucks. And I think it would be the same thing for books also when the new Song of Ice and Fire book comes out, if people start spoiling shit on social media, I mean, there are people that'll read the book in a day they'll, yeah. and they'll already have stuff up. So I, I think it's a, it's also an issue with books. Books seem to never run out of, they, they never seem to have a window for spoilers because some people will just post spoilers about Harry Potter or something. And then somebody will go, oh, fuck, man, I haven't, <laughs> haven't read Harry Potter. <laughs> I didn't know that. So it seems books are are even more special in that regard, I think. Especially with people's to-be-read lists being so humongous these days. It's just people can't keep up. There's just so much shit to, to consume. We have to consume, consume. Do you think we should be on a permanent sort of spoiler alert warning before we post anything that might be spoilerish for any sort of media? Or should we just be free to post it? It's hard for me to decide. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence about... Spoil, like I don't post spoilers anyway, usually. And if I do, uh, I'll I'll tag it and say spoiler or something. But in general, I find discussions that are focused on spoilers. So if there's a thread on a website and it says this is a spoiler thread, then I seek those places out. I don't find open public places and discuss spoilers. That's just my etiquette. One of the funniest things that I saw that resulted from Star Wars was the Twitter account that belongs to a guy called Emo Kylo Ren. Uh, did you get a chance to check out that Twitter account, Phil? Yeah, I, I looked over it the other day, and uh, it seems to it seems to be Kylo Ren is sort of constantly complaining about stuff, but Hux, like General Hux, is his his buddy, and he's. <laughs> 
you plant you know planning stuff to me general hux was pretty cool character i would like to see a lot more of him but kylo ren was fascinating for me uh because it's just uh it's just cool to see a character that isn't a complete badass and i think that was the criticism i saw f- from a lot of people was that he was this kind of emo whiny baby kind of guy that i don't have enough power <laughs> I like when people make fun of me so you sound just like him by the way <laughs> So I could see how an account like that would get created rather quickly because uh, that was a criticism levied about Kylo Ren's character is that he was this kind of punk kid and he wasn't like a stoic, cool, badass kind of character like people, I guess, were expecting him to be because he has this whole Darth Vader vibe. But I love that that he was like that, that he was emotionally unstable. And he had scenes where he would kind of flip out and then he would be like, is that all? Like, like he would try to play it off like he was cool, but he's not really cool. That's what I really liked about him. We did have quite luscious hair for sure. And the Twitter handle is at uh, K-Y-L-O-R-3-N. If you wanted to check that out, emo Kylo Ren. It's pretty funny. My favorite tweet that he had was uh, four slams bedroom door shut. He has uh, two people that he follows. He follows a uh, hot topic <laughs> and he follows uh, Darth Vader, of course. <laughs> And uh, it's a pretty humorous account. I mean, I, it, it started just uh, a day or two after the movie came out. It started with like 2,000 followers when I saw it. It's currently up to 353,000 followers. And they were talking about it on Entertainment Weekly. But it's it's pretty funny, brilliant stuff. I think you should check it out. It's just these other strange things that pop up in our new media society that, that uh, are a result of, of movies coming out like this. And it's done right, and, it, and it's pretty funny. So I recommend folks go check that out. I'd like to see a BB-8 account. <laughs> Be do we <laughs> He was actually he, or he or she or it. I don't know, but it's it was careful. One of the one of the most interesting characters was the ro- little robot. Like yeah. had a range of emotions and everything. It was and actually made me laugh a couple of times. Which uh, I'm not going to get into all the prequel hate, but hater. <laughs> Uh, well, I was just going to say my final verdict on the, on the movie was that everything that the prequels weren't, uh, the, the, this new movie is, um, everything that the prequels did wrong, JJ has, has done right. And I do agree. BB eight is a great character. And I think uh, everywhere that Jar Jar was, was misstepped, uh, they did right with BB eight. And it was just because it was, it was subtlety. It wasn't this overtop. I have to be super entertaining and dorky and, uh, and what have you, but it was just a subtle, cute, charming character. And I think all the characters were well round, well round when it comes to the force awakens well i think jar jar was kind of over the top to appeal to maybe a really really young audience like what's that fucking show called cagney and lazy <laughs> yeah that's it got okay with the fucking people in suits and their dance uh, t- teletubbies that's it oh it feels like a teletubbies kind of character like oh that's what jar jar binks was like like he was so over the top to appeal to really really young kids where i think bb8 could he also appeals to young kids but he wasn't an asshole about it yeah it's not one of those over the top just in your face kind of characters it's just very subtle and and that's what i liked about all the new characters they were all had a personality they all you know you felt something for for all the new characters at least I did. Like I did too. For me, the new characters totally overshadowed the old characters, and, and I think that's what needed to happen. 
I think the old characters are kind of there to pass the torch. and then the new, Yeah, it's a changing of the guard. Yeah, and the new ones are there to kind of take over. And, I, and I'm hoping for episode eight that they phase out most of the older characters and they almost exclusively focus on the new characters, especially ones that didn't get as much attention like General Hux or, spoiler, Captain Phasma, uh, which... I think could be a cool character. What I'm hoping, and I've seen this some other places, is that Captain Phasma can be like the new Boba Fett kind of character where she escapes the, you know, whatever happens and uh, the big explosion, whatever it was. And uh, she's like hunting these other characters. I think that could be a cool role for her to explore. And I, th- I think the introduction of all these new characters definitely is going to have more meaning in the next movie. Like Poe Dameron, I think he'll get more screen time in the next movie. General Hux, Captain Phasma. Uh, I-, I think this movie was was really the Ray Kylo Ren, Finn movie and establishing these three characters. And I think we'll get more in the next one. Yeah, Gwendolyn Christie is the actress who portrays Phasma as well as Brienne of Tarth in uh, Game of Thrones. So she did a, a great job, but uh, her character was somewhat uh, downplayed during The Force Awakens. I am looking for more badassery to come from her direction for sure. And I think overall, females were very well represented um, in the in the new Star Wars movie. I think that J.J. just fired off on all cylinders. So two thumbs up for me, and I definitely recommend folks go check it out in 3D, 3D IMAX if possible. Um, You really get an appreciation for the depth and scope of space and all the new universes that uh, JJ has created. Um, So definitely go check it out. And that takes us to the first official unveiling of the Grim Tidings mailbag. That's right, you folks had questions for us when it comes to the magic behind the curtain, uh, when it comes to creating the Grim Tidings podcast. So we gave folks the opportunity to ask us the questions that they had on their mind. So today we will um, answer some of your questions and hopefully alleviate um, those those burning things that you need to know about that keep you up late in the night. So today we will definitely answer uh, a few of the questions uh, that you have for us. Uh, the first one was, uh, Phil, you actually posted it. You said, why is Phil such a dumbass? So that's the first question. Am I, and, and, am I supposed to answer that question myself? Uh, am I supposed to answer that, why I'm such a dumbass? Answer your own question. I suppose you could do that. Why don't you give us some self-reflection? Why don't you answer the question and then I'll answer the question? I can't answer the question. I, I just know I ask myself <laughs> that question daily as to... Why, why that is? But why do you think it is? I don't know. I guess uh, dumbassery is just the thing that that sticks with you at a young age and it never really goes away. So it's a, a nature versus nurture thing. Yeah, I think I've just mm. been a dumbass for so long that it's it's mm-hmm. hard to shake that off. Gotcha. Um, you know, I kind of like being a dumbass in a way because uh, ignorance is bliss. So. I like to shut myself off from from most of the most of the world, and I am a vampire, and I stay inside uh, most of the day. And quite pale. Yeah, I think I think being a dumbass in, in this in this day and age, it's kind of like being the new. It's like a renaissance <laughs> for uh, for dumbass people. I think dumbasses can really excel in today's society if if they so choose. Would you say dumbass is in? I think dumbass has been the in thing for a while now, actually. Uh, 2015 wasn't the first year dumbasses have been popular. But I would say it, it looks like we're trending towards more 
dumbassery and just dumbass behavior mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. I don't I don't see I don't see the age of dumbass ending anytime soon. So I think I'm on the uh, forward tip as far as all that goes. I'm kind of the the dawning of the age of dumbass. Yeah, I'm ahead of my time. I would I would agree. Next question, Brandon Draga. Uh, inquires, he wants to know, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? I know we, we just went deep with that first question, but this one I think really cuts <laughs> to the soul. Well, what, what tree would you be, Rob? A bonsai. So you want people snipping you? Snipping? Snipping me. Snipping, clipping snipping, me, snipping. Trimming me up, making me look all fancy, I suppose. I think if I was going to be a tree, the, the obvious answer would be a heart, heart tree or a weird wood tree from A Song of Ice and Fire. Just because it has, it looks like it has blood coming out of its face, and I think uh, if I was a tree, I'd want blood to come out of my face. But I think the Mississippi boy in me <laughs> want to be a magnolia tree. I always like magnolia trees; they have nice flowers and they're pretty. Uh, next question comes from uh, past guest Jeremy Zoll. He asks: Fantasy is usually highlighted as the standard grimdark genre when it actually originated in science fiction. Why do you think that is? And what are your favorite science fiction grimdark novels? Now, of course, the uh, origination of science fiction grimdark does come from the Warhammer universe. The term grimdark comes from the uh, phrase in the grimdarkness of the far future. There is only war. And uh, that's the present theme in the Warhammer universe novels. Uh, the Horace Heresy novels as well, I think, are an outcrop of the Warhammer universe. But uh, that is kind of where grimdark the term started. Um, but as far as favorite science fiction grimdark novels, I personally haven't read too many. I think the best one that's kind of out right now that would be considered grimdark would probably be The Expanse by James S.A. Corey, now turned into a series on the Sci-Fi Channel, of course, and it's really rad. It's pretty badass, but it's coined as Game of Thrones in Outer Space. I'm not sure if that's exactly uh, the truth of it, but it is a great series. Uh, but that's kind of the one that comes to the forefront. Actually, um, Pat's Fantasy Hotlist named the uh, latest installment of that series as the top book of 2015. What about you, Phil? Are you reading a lot of science fiction, Grimdark? No, I don't typically read science fiction. Uh, I, I did read Anthony Ryan's uh, Cyberpunk series, Slab City Blues. I really enjoyed that. I do really like some of um, Philip K. Dick's stuff. Uh, I, I don't know if that would, it would be grimdark uh, per se, but it's dark. It's definitely dark. Uh, I tend to like cyberpunk kind of stuff. I don't know if uh, that would classify as grimdark. I think the reason that fantasy is focused on so much is because there has been a lot of dark science fiction over the years and grittier science fiction, military science fiction, uh, whereas fantasy didn't really have that uh, for a long time, so it's it seems to be a modern, a more modern phenomenon as far as fantasy goes to have a darker fantasy fiction that doesn't hold back and is more violent or bloody or anything, and focuses on morally gray characters. I think that's why people focus so much on fantasy as the standard grimdark genre because. Science fiction has kind of been doing darker stuff for a while now. And that takes us into the next question. Um, let's see here. Adrian Collins, he asks, uh, what are you guys most excited about in the next 12 grimdark months? 
Um, so 2016, looking ahead, what are some cool things that are coming forth? I've got a, a, a few here. I think the first one would be um, Sharp Ends, coming out by Joe Abercrombie. The short story collection uh, will be hitting the shelves, I believe, in April, and uh, we'll be talking to Joe about that. So we're looking forward to that collection. It is a collection of stories from the first Law universe. A few have been released previously, a few are new, but it should be a great series. He did debut the covers as well, so be, be sure to check out uh, Lord Grimdark and uh, see the new covers that uh dropped uh, for that and we're looking forward to that as well are you looking forward to sharp ends philip yeah for sure i'm a huge fan of the first law series one of my favorite fantasy series of all time the the first three books and i enjoyed the standalone books as well so i'm really i'm i'm, I'm becoming a bigger fan of short fiction as of late I, I read a lot more short fiction or novellas or anything that's not super long i've been reading a lot more recently so I'm looking to pick up short story collections. I got a couple of the Tor.com novellas. Uh, so that's kind of my focus right now. I'm reading more short short fiction. Uh, I haven't completely abandoned reading novels. I still read novels also. It's just that seems to be my main focus. So I'm very excited about a short story collection. And Mark Lawrence just came out with a new short story collection called Road Brothers, Tales from the Broken Empire. And... I'm also a fan of that series. So really cool short story collections coming out, anthologies. I'm excited about several anthologies. Unbound, I'm excited about possibly a new Song of Ice and Fire book, maybe? Yeah, The Winds of Winter definitely might be on the palette for 2016. Uh, my fingers are always crossed. I, I think the highest of Papa George. So uh, I'm I'm pulling for the best. I'm hoping for the best. In 2016, hopefully we can see the release of The Winds of Winter, the next book in the series. Um, so I'm excited for that. Uh, speaking of Mark Lawrence, too, with that uh, short story collection that he just dropped, The Wheel of Oshime, The Red Queen's War, uh, book three of that series, completing the trilogy. Uh, that will be dropped uh, in June of 2016. The uh, cover art was released for that recently. So we're excited for that coming out in the next 12 grim dark months on the tv end the shannara series debuts uh this january on mtv of all places but i haven't read the shannara series but as far as the previews go for shannara uh the tv series does look uh, pretty entertaining so far have you seen the previews for that philip yeah i saw one of the trailers for it uh, i don't know i don't know much about that series so i may not be as hyped as other people are about it but yeah, it's definitely anything fantasy I'm, I'm willing to check out. I've been wanting to see Outlander for a while also. I haven't got a chance to see that. But I'm in Japan, so I don't get to see a lot of stuff unless I pirate something. And I don't do that. So. Oh, you're a good boy. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get deported if I get, you know... <laughs> caught doing something like that uh so uh next question in the uh grim tidings mailbag is why haven't you interviewed george rr R. martin yet can't say we haven't tried we have sent him numerous emails phone messages uh harassed his entire staff and they have yet to uh heed to our threats basically so we're we're working on them people give us some time okay just kidding uh we we would really love to have george martin on the show and uh if george you're listening right now i just want to just on behalf of philip myself just say could you please just come on the podcast uh we've got tens and tens of listeners who would really just like to listen to you talk so consider it please sir and if anybody out there knows george feel free to mention us put in the good word if you rub elbows with george i won't uh i won't be mad about that fingers crossed people we're working on it but i mean if we do get george on the show then we'll stop then, doing then the that's show. the end yeah 
<laughs> we're not going to do any more shows. No, we'll be done. That will be our, our mission on this planet. We'll be f- fulfilled, at least for the, the present. So if you want our show to continue, don't help us get George Martin on the show. Right. And if you want us to shut up forever, just get Papa George on the show. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's your mission if you choose to accept it. Charles McGarry asks in the next question in the Grim Tidings mailbag, you mentioned in Sebastian de Castell's interview the trend toward fantasy without magic. Why do you think this is? Because I still can't divorce magic from fantasy. To me, it isn't the same. The the marriage of, of fantasy and, and magic. Um, I think essentially that you have to have magic to have fantasy. I think there's just a le- level of subtlety in between the different stories that we're reading these days and magic has been more downplayed in favor of character i think would be my perspective what do you think about that one yeah i think there tends to be more focus on characters over what could be called the special effects of fantasy which would be magic creature monsters and creatures and uh, these are all the window dressings for stories of course characters are always going to be more most important but i think there can be really awesome character-driven fantasy that still has magic in it. I think the reason there is this trend towards maybe downplaying magic more is to give the settings that grittier, realistic feel. And magic is not gritty or realistic. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't seen gritty magic. <laughs> I haven't seen realistic magic either because uh, I think that's oxymoron realistic magic. So I think it's just a temporary shift. There's always going to be people that are going to have magic in their fantasy stories and they're going to have dragons and they're going to have all these kind of things that people associate with fantasy. But I think now is the time for people to explore different things in fantasy and not just go back to the same things that have worked over and over again. I don't want to see magic go away from fantasy. There's fiction that I would consider grimdark that does have a lot of magic and monsters and, and things like that. And, and the Witcher series, for example, is a good example of that. So I don't think it's gone. It's just for now taking a nap or something. Go home, magic. You're drunk. Uh, but I agree. I think the trend has been there. There's an ebb and flow when it comes to the themes that uh, are present in popular fantasy fiction, and I think it has been a trend to have low magic, high character, lots of grit and stuff, and, and things like that. So who knows what 2016 holds? Um, I kind of see the same the same patterns going on in Grimdark currently, and with the uh, continuance of the popularity of Joe Abercrombie and, and such. Uh, we shall continue to see how the evolution of magic uh, progresses over the next year and beyond the next series of questions that we have uh kind of go into the background of the show so if you ever wondered about kind of how we do the show and things like that these questions may be of general import to you uh the first question is where do you record the podcasts from for myself i record from my house in salem oregon usually in my bedroom intriguing i know what about you philip uh i record from kawasaki japan which is nowhere near oregon i'm in a small apartment uh, surrounded by uh, a bunch of junk. <laughs> it's not very glamorous, but that's how it is. That's the magic of podcasting. You can you can record from anywhere, really, if you have a computer and an internet connection, as long as it's quiet. Yeah, I'm not moving to Kawasaki, Japan anytime soon. I don't think you're moving back to the States anytime soon. You might come visit, but uh, we technically could do this show in, in perpetuity and never even meet each other in person. That's the wonder of technology. 
I think it's going to be awkward and weird when we meet, when we meet <laughs> each other in person. Do we hug? Do we shake hands? I just, I, I don't know. We have, it'll be, we, it'll have, be weird. we have to agree what to do. Right. <laughs> before meeting. Plan it out ahead officially. of time. Right. Yeah. The next question is, uh, what do you use to see each other? We don't. We uh, we just go by audio cues only. That's how badass we are. But uh, we, we don't do video currently. We may do video in the future, but uh, we do not see each other. Um, it may be of benefit somehow, but uh, right now we, we don't do it. And I, basically, I don't think Phil should be looking at my ugly mug for too long. So it can be quite distracting. But uh, no, we do not see each other when we record the show. So we coordinate by just talking over each other, usually. <laughs> That's how we coordinate. And it's edited. Pretty much. And then we edit it. So, or Rob edits it. I don't do shit. <laughs> um, so, that's how it, it works. If people, if guests, usually we always yield, um, 100% of the time we yield to the guest. So, if the guest is talking, uh, we don't talk. And then we wait until they're finished talking and then one of us will try to jump in. And if Rob jumps in first, then he goes. If I jump in first, then I go. If we jump in at the same time, then we defer to each other. Go ahead, whatever. And then it's edited out. Magic. Yeah. It's magic. the magic of post-production. We clean it up on, on, on the back end. So uh, next question goes, uh, do the guests nowadays get any of the questions in advance? Yeah, most of the times we, uh, we uh, type out questions uh, ahead of time, uh, usually um, about 24 hours in advance. We get uh, some questions sent over to the guests so they don't go in completely cold and have a general general idea of what direction we are taking them and what depths uh, of the soul we plan to explore when they come on our podcast. Um, but yes, we do try to send questions in advance. We find that it does help the quest that it helps the guests kind of ease into the uh, into the spot and are able to kind of gather their thoughts. And it usually goes pretty smoothly. So. So, uh, yes, we do try to at least a day in advance, um, if not if not sooner. So the next question is, what do you enjoy more, reading, writing, or podcasting? Reading, writing, or podcasting? Hmm. That's like choosing my favorite ice cream flavor. I love so many different kinds of ice cream. Or your favorite liquor. <laughs> Just or my favorite wine, which I got right. too drunk on for Christmas, and then I had a wedding party the next day and I got too drunk again <laughs> and red wine was the first day and then white wine was the second day that's good diversify and I like both of them so podcasting right reading and writing I would say writing just because I've been doing that the longest and have been immersed in that the longest well reading I've been reading longer than writing obviously but I do more writing than I do anything else and I'm always thinking about writing and I'm always planning something. Uh, reading is something I do for fun. It's a, a hobby. Uh, I like to do reviews when I get a chance, but I'm, I'm a slow fucking reader. Um, I'm probably one of the slowest fucking readers <laughs> in my circle of people on the Facebook groups I'm part of or other forums. I'm still reading stuff from earlier this year. I'm so far behind on everything. Uh, I do love reading, but it's something I do for fun. And it's not something I do because I have to do it or something. I, I want to read what I enjoy reading. So I don't, I don't usually read if I feel like I have to read something. So I'm a more leisurely kind of reader than I am writer. I'm, I'm a pretty hardcore writer. But I focus mostly on shorter stuff right now because that's where my attention span lies, I guess. <laughs> as far as novels, I just... 
I have less attention span for writing them at the moment. And writing is also something I do for fun. So if I don't, if I'm not having fun writing something, then I don't fucking do it. I just say, okay, I'm not doing this anymore. And I, and I know that's not good advice, especially for people who are newer writers to just quit things with, if they're not fun. Usually a piece of advice is always complete what you started. So Yeah, and I agree with that. I agree you should always complete what you start. Um, but at the same time, make sure what you start is what you want to start. And it's fun. And it's interesting to you. And even if it becomes less interesting somewhere along the way, you should figure out a way to recapture the magic. Uh, so for me, I don't start writing stuff that, that I think is going to not have any staying power anymore i used to do a lot of that i would just start writing something and then i'd get bored or whatever but it was because i didn't have anything planned i didn't know what i was writing and i'm just better at planning stuff ahead of time that's just what i'm better at and then podcasting is something i'm very new at um, I never really thought I would be on a podcast. I never thought I would be interviewing people I've idolized and, and love reading. But here I am, and it's a, a new flavor I enjoy. So, yeah, I love all three of them for different reasons. It's like you don't want to eat the same thing every day. Doing each of these things scratches a different itch creatively for me. So I like all of them. Uh, for different reasons, but I have to say writing would probably edge out the other two. If you had to pick your favorite. Yeah, if I had to. Writing takes the lead. Well, if I had to pick my favorite, this was an interesting question. I'm going to have to currently say podcasting uh, because the podcast um, is a result of the reading and the writing that I've done uh, before. Uh, I definitely read for fun, just like you, Phil, and I'm not as accomplished as you when it comes to the writing end, but that's definitely something I plan to grow in in 2016. Uh, but as far as my favorite, I'd have to say podcasting. It's been a complete uh, joy uh, doing this show and uh, partnering with you, Philip. Uh, you've definitely made the uh, endeavor. Uh, twice as awesome as it possibly could have been. So um, you're good at podcasting. I'll at least give you that that end, uh, my friend. Mm. Two thumbs up from Robert. <laughs> uh, but uh, I have to say, podcasting is is my favorite thing to do. I love to um, to do production. I'm a professional producer. That's what I do uh, for my uh, full time job. Uh, but uh, I, you know, I, I enjoy fantasy. I enjoy reading. That's why this podcast exists. I enjoy talking about writing. That's why we have authors and agents and publishers and editors. On the show to talk about the things that go in with writing so uh but it all culminates with the podcast and my hope and my goal is to bring everybody the finest in podcasting ear candy so that's that's what i shoot for and i think i'm doing a decent job so far people seem to be digging the program and uh, uh and i enjoy it um, but if i had to pick my favorite darling darling i'd have to say that uh, podcasting uh, does take the cake at present but uh, writing hopefully in 2016 will be uh, more of a focus for me personally yeah i think podcasting for me is uh, was like wearing an ill-fitting suit and you you have to go to a wedding and meet people and talk to people <laughs> and you're wearing this suit that doesn't quite fit and when we first started that's what i felt like a lot of the times like what the fuck am i doing here and like why am I, why am i talking to these famous authors but i've grown into it i, I feel like and i I have enjoyed talking to everyone and uh, it's awesome to be able to ask questions I've always wondered and R.A. Salvatore was an author I looked up to when, and still look up to and uh, we're going to have Richard A. Knack on also. He's another uh, writer I've ever read 
in my whole life was Legend of Huma, a Dragonlance book, and so many surreal moments doing this podcast. So I have to say, podcasting ranks very high for me. Well, at this point in the podcast game, we are about 40 episodes in. We're at about 10,000 downloads total. So that's about 40 hours of content that we produced as far as the Grim Tidings podcast goes. So we've put in we've put in a couple hours, some elbow grease, some uh, paid a little dues, I think, for over the last six months. But we've got so many great uh, guests already booked for the first six months of 2016. So the journey has just begun, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to take you to some exciting grimdark places over the next uh, year. So definitely uh, keep your ear tuned to the show for sure. And that takes us to the next question in the Grimdark mailbag. What's your favorite book that you've read in the last year? Um, I'll answer this one first. I think the newest, bestest author that I discovered this past year was Clark Ashton Smith. Uh, was a writer from the uh, first half of the 20th century, um, contemporaries with H.P. Lovecraft. But um, I picked up uh, the story Coming of the White Worm was just amazing. I love the sword and sorcery old school uh, style, uh, the verse, the 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 uh, words that he used, kind of the archaic sort of language that he he puts into place it's very vivid and uh and just badass and he he just really turned me on to his writing style so i've been reading more of him and getting more more into the um old school shit the robert e howard the weird tales um that's kind of what i'm digging lately i've been trying to write a little sword and sorcery lately myself too but uh, i'd have to give my thumbs up to to old school clark ashton smith um over the past year not not new by any by any means i've been long deceased for decades now, but uh, I would recommend him if you're into uh, old school sword and sorcery uh, with some weirdness, uh, with some vivid uh, descriptions and whatnot, I would give him my thumbs up for for the past year. What about you, Philip? There's just so many things that pop into my head, uh, but I have to say the one that just keeps popping in my head is Michael R. Fletcher's Beyond Redemption. It's just uh, feels so different than from a lot of stuff I would normally read. And it, it really gets into inventive world building kind of stuff. So, and it, it is the darkest shit I've ever read. So I would say that ranks the highest for me right now. And the year's, the year's over. So that, that's, the, that's my pick. I have been reading a lot of other stuff. Uh, Betrayal's Shadow by Dave DeBerg, who a former guest. Uh, it's really interesting, cool fantasy story. Uh, I highly recommend that one. Also, uh, I've been reading a lot of of a lot of books from our guests. Uh, that's one thing that's really cool about doing this show is I've been introduced to to authors and found new people to read through the show. So that's been really cool to learn about new authors and just expand my reading horizons, so to speak. Next question in the Grim Tidings mailbag is, what is your favorite goddamn weapon? <laughs> Apparently not just a weapon, but a goddamn weapon. I would have to go with my absolute favorite is nunchucks. I think it was Grim. I think the, the GD was supposed to be Grim Dark Weapon. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I suppose I can edit that. I probably won't. But yeah, what's your favorite Grim Dark <laughs> Weapon. Well, that changes everything. I don't know if nunchucks are even considered grimdark, unless you throw on like uh, blades at the end of them or grenades or something like that. But uh, I've always loved nunchucks for a long time. I actually owned a pair back when I was like 15, and I almost knocked myself out trying to practice. So I was not too skilled with them, but I still love the nunchucks. I'm gonna go with the halberd. I just like mm. I just like polearm weapons. And they used to do the most damage in Dungeons and Dragons for a first level character. So if you got a halberd, you could do like 1d10 damage. Damn. 
you know, let my nerd nerd flag fly there. <laughs> but yeah, I've always liked pole arms, and I think swords are heavily focused on fancy a lot. Swords and axes and stuff like that. But pole arms, you know, you can poke. Well, poke is probably the wrong word. But <laughs> you could stab. Yeah, poke sounds like, eh, I'll poke you. You could stab people with them. You can chop them with them. That's why I think they're cool. And they punch through armor, chop somebody's head off, or do whatever. Trying to think off, off the top of my head, are there any stories with, like, magic, blessed, legendary halberds? It's usually legendary swords, right? Yeah, I don't imagine there's any magical pole arm. <laughs> uh, Phil wants to poke you with his pole arm, people. No, I don't. Next question in the Grim Tidings mailbag, is hope a myth? Yes. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Next question, Ovi Martin asks, uh, do you guys post the names of guests before the show? Um, we usually do, and where you can find that is on our Twitter account, at Grim Dark Fiction. We're pretty active over there, and we talk about the guests usually when we record them. So if you want to get kind of a more behind the scenes of the daily in and outs of Grim Tidings, I recommend you check out our Twitter account. That's at Grim Dark Fiction. We promote who we're talking to, books, uh, guests, uh, articles, so definitely check us out uh, on the Twitter. And that concludes the Grim Tidings mailbag. I was going to ask you, Phil, being uh, that you're a big-time uh, uh, legendary podcaster now, what is the question that people usually ask you uh, when you say, I do a podcast uh, in casual conversation? Uh, about 99% of the time they say, what is it about? And I can't really say grimdark fantasy because most people don't know what that is. Yeah, huh? So then I have to sit there and talk and explain it. And most of the time, I don't feel like explaining it. <laughs> bad, Phil, bad. No, but sometimes I will. I usually just say it's about the darker edge of fantasy. That's just the easiest way to explain it. And that's typically what people ask me. And then I'll tell them some guests we've had on. And if they're knowledgeable about fantasy, they'll go, oh, wow, that's a big person there. But if they don't know about fantasy, they just glaze over. Uh, yeah, if they don't know about fantasy, then then I just say, I do a fantasy podcast. And they go, oh, <laughs> nerd cool. <laughs> <laughs> I've got two answers when it comes to that question uh, of uh, what kind of show is it. Uh, in a professional basis, like in emails and things like that, I call it a literary podcast. When I'm explaining it to the, to the layman, I just usually say it's a dark fantasy podcast podcast about books uh but the, the latest spin i put kind of a, as our positioner is uh, mad max meets rating rainbow with a side of jackass well i'm not slapping myself in the face with a fish or anything like that so doing the show with you though is like slapping the face <laughs> slapping my face with a fish so i think just kidding i'm just kidding that completes the Grim Tidings mailbag. If you have questions for us, you can always hit us up online at facebook.com slash the Grim Tidings podcast or on Twitter at Grim Dark Fiction. And that takes us to this episode's Fan of the Week. And drumroll, this week's Fan of the Week is Mr. James R. Schmidt. Um, he's our loyal friend and ally on both the Facebook and the Twitter and the Instagram. He's all over the place. Anytime we post a link uh, for the show, he usually shares it. Um, so he's a very cool community member, and he runs a badass blog, MightyThorJuniors.wordpress.com. He has interviews. He has tons of reviews on the, the fantasy books that we talk about on this show. He's usually talking about. But we wanted to acknowledge him, give him double devil horns, uh, and say thank you, James, for being awesome, for supporting the show. And uh, when we come into uh, our power, when we overthrow the governments of Earth, you will be noted and you will receive a high position of power. So 
Thank you again, Mr. Schmidt, and be sure to check out his blog, Mighty Thor Juniors, for the latest in fantasy book reviews. Um, and then that takes us to the official announcement of the Grimdark Fiction Readers and Writers Cool Story Bro Award for Best Novel Released in 2015. Uh, we polled our group there on Facebook. It's called Grimdark Fiction Readers and Writers. Uh, that's kind of where we hang out on a daily basis and discuss the nerdy things that you're hearing about right now. Uh, but we polled the audience. We asked everybody in the crowd, what was your favorite Grimdark Fiction title released during 2015? And we have the five final uh, contestants. We're going to announce the the, the five, the top five here for you, dear listener. Um, Coming at number five was Fool's Quest by Robin Hobb. Number four is The Autumn Republic by Brian McClellan. Number three, A Crown for Cold Silver by Alex Marshall. Number two, Beyond Redemption by Michael R. Fletcher. And then the number one voted Cool Story Bro award goes to Mark Lawrence for The Liar's Key. Congratulations, Mark. You are the first recipient of the Cool Story Bro Award. It is the most prestigious of literary titles, and we hope that you hold it dearly um, for its prowess that it possesses therein. But uh, congratulations, Mark, and to all the top five. These are all great authors that uh, we recommend that you folks do check out. Congratulations to everybody who was uh, in that mix, and we look forward to all the cool titles coming out in 2016, where we can again issue the Cool Story Bro Award. And that completes this episode of the Grim Tidings Podcast. Please hit us up online at facebook.com slash thegrimtidingspodcast or on Twitter at grimdarkfiction. If you like the show, please consider sharing it, or if you want to download it, be sure to check us out on iTunes or Stitcher. And if you love the show, please leave a review. Philip, sir, thanks so much for hanging out. Uh, Best of luck to you in 2016, sir. Yes, and to you as well. And I'm sure I'll be... not seeing you, but I'm sure I'll be hearing a lot more <laughs> from you. And I'm looking forward to a lot of the guests we have lined up for 2016. It's going to be a kick-ass fucking year, man. It's going to be a kick-ass year. Thanks again for listening, folks. We'll see you next time right here on the Grim Tidings Podcast. Until next time, stay grim, stay dark, stay true. Devil horns to you. So long.